This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today, I speak with Tyler Hamilton. For many years, Tyler raced at the very highest level of professional cycling and was a key figure in the Lance Armstrong doping saga. His story is well-documented, told best in his own powerful book, The Secret Race. I just feel very lucky and blessed to be where I am today and thankful to all, all the people who supported me. And It was hard. It was brutal, brutal. Tyler now lives in Missoula, runs a coaching business, works for Black Swift Investment Advisors, and is a new father. Today, we talk about how he transformed his life after racing and found happiness and balance. Tyler, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Hey, nice to be here. I have to say, this is a wild moment. We have our youngest guest ever <laughs> here, Hudson Hamilton, at the ripe age of eight months. So you might hear Hudson in the background. Tyler is doing the uh, the full dad routine. So I, I appreciate it. And it's great to meet Hudson. Yeah, it's just been an amazing experience, really. It's awesome. hard, hard to put it into words. So we'll start with the way we always do with where yeah. did you grow up and what did your parents do? Yeah, I grew up in Marblehead, Massachusetts, about a half hour north of Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my dad was in the office supplies business, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Did some part-time work, gardening and stuff like that, but yeah, we were lucky to have her home most of the time. And a lot of time running around the hills of New Hampshire, skiing and doing all that. Yep. My dad always told me our church was in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. So Saturdays and Sundays, were, we spent a lot of time up there. In the wintertime, we'd rent a place up there in the... North Conway or Jackson area and ski at this area called Wildcat Mountain, yes, which is indeed. straight across from uh, Mount Washington. Yeah. So let's start with fatherhood. You're, you're at the beginning of this journey and um, yeah, tell us about it. Uh, wow. It's been amazing. I mean, caring, caring for such a little individual, it's just, um, it's been really eye-opening. Yeah. Hard at times, obviously, you know, the lack of sleep sometimes, I, although he's been sleeping great, but yeah, I mean, it's not about yourself anymore. Being an ex-athlete, yeah, I mean, as an athlete, as a professional cyclist, yeah, you had to be pretty selfish, I would say. You know, mm -hmm. it's always about you. You know, you got to get out and be disciplined. You're all, you always have to be thinking about yourself. And, you know, all, although I have been a, not been an athlete for a long time, this really opened my eyes. Because before it was always, oh, am I going to exercise today? Or, you know, that's now all out the back door. And, sure. You know, if I can fit it in, great. But if I can't, that's okay, too. Yeah, in some ways, the clarity of focus that children bring is um, is similar to the athletic mindset as well. Like you have this sort of – this priority in your life yeah. that, that changes your life in a way that you, you didn't really think was possible before. Yeah. I mean, it's completely changed my life. It's hard to put it into words, but yeah, it's um, – and it's hard to think about life before. But I've also got two great stepkids, 10 and ten and 8, you know, Jack and Cooper, and they're great kids. And it's been awesome to be around and help, uh, you know, we have them half the time. Uh, and their dad lives right, right up the street. It's a, you know, modern family. And it's sure. been, uh, that's been a fantastic ex experience as well. Nice. So Yeah, and balancing it all. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, the past 10 years of your life have been... A lot of transformation, a lot of yeah. growth, a lot of work, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people kind of know the story up until your book, but like, what's Tyler Hamilton up to now? Like, what what is kind of yeah. giving your, other than Hudson, what is giving your life focus and meaning? I mean, first of all, yeah, I work for a money manager down in uh, Boulder, Colorado. 
called the Black Swift Group. Mm-hmm. I've been working with them for about three years now. It's been a fantastic experience as well. Super steep learning curve. I'm on like the business development investor relations side of things. Okay. But yeah, just learning. You know, I studied economics back in college, which was a long, long, long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And then- um, Did you, you really know, study economics or did you just study skiing A little bit. And cycling? I studied skiing and cycling. Yeah. And a little bit of economics. Sure. You know. <laughs> But my plan was to go to – I was hoping to go to business school and then own my own business. But, yeah, that all went to the wayside when cycling took off. Yeah. It's been fantastic. You know, I had to pass my Series 65 exam, which is – you know, I did study for my real estate exam a few years prior to that. That's but other than that, that yeah. it was a totally different animal. Yeah. How did, it, how did it feel to study for something? It felt good. It felt good, although some, I mean, not all the time. There were yeah. times I was really struggling with it. Especially after I didn't pass the first one, but it was like, all right, just gotta really just put my head down. It was a different kind of studying. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, lear- I mean, I'll be learning for the rest of my life. For, yeah, for as long as I have this. Job. And how's that feel to be learning, engaging your mind? Like uh, this, this one seems uh, like it's sticking. You've been uh, doing yeah, this a while. It's definitely sticking. And no, I mean, I'm, I think you meeting you in the past. You know, you know, I like to help people. And mm-hmm. This is a different way to help people. You know, a lot of people thought they're they're getting tier one trading before you but pe- pe- i brought people in and they're like wow this is this was, was really what i was hoping for yeah. so it's this, nice um, nice to get positive feedback back from your from your the people you bring in and the clients there at black swift so mm-hmm. yeah and so you you do have a bit of a portfolio career i mean you've had your coaching business for a long time now tell us about tyler hamilton training it started that no oh nine and yeah now i have a really good friend and uh co-worker helped me a Helping me with it, he he runs the show most of the time. And mm-hmm. It's just really a two man show, and that allows you to yeah. focus on helping the athletes, crafting the right training programs, and, and that sort of Correct. stuff. Correct, yeah. In my in my other job, which is really my job job now, which is at Black Swift Group. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and then I also spend time uh, giving back to the fight against multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. I put on my own charity event every September. It's like a week long ride. We change locations every year. Tell us about that entry point because you've been. You've been affiliated with Multiple Sclerosis Society and trying to do good for that cause for a long time. Yeah, it's been over 20 years. Let's see. I think in 1997 is when I started. Yeah, my first agent, Yeah, his mother-in-law had MS. And okay. I didn't know anything about it. All I knew is a ski racer, ex-World uh, Cup ski racer and Olympic medalist, Jimmy Hugo, he had it. Right. He was still alive and knew that, but that was kind of all I knew about it. And uh, so I showed up to a ride in uh, south of Boston and- during, it was, I think it was a 75-mile ride, charity ride. And mm-hmm. During that ride, I met people with MS whose husband or wife had MS or co-worker or sister or brother. And, and that was just the start. And after that, that, that one ride, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm committing to this. These are my people. This is my cause. Yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a terrible disease. And you know, they need help. They need help. And so maybe if you're willing, talk about the journey with that organization. I mean, you go through this period of time where at the beginning, while you're at the peak of your powers as a racer, I'm sure it's great for them. Your you're, you're sort of star power and your characters attracting folks to these rides and helping spread the message. Then you go through some turmoil and your, oh, yeah. your personal brand and the public uh, media is tarnished a bit. Talk about your arc with that organization, because now it seems like you're sort of thriving again. Yeah, definitely thriving again. But yeah, it's had its ups and downs for sure. Yeah, so 97, that's when I really opened my eyes to multiple sclerosis. And then I think in the year 2000, I was maybe the head of the cycling series for the National MS Society. 
And then a few years later, I started my own foundation, the Tyler Hamilton Foundation. Mm -hmm. We had events all year long, but our marquee event was the was MS Global, the one that still exists today. Yes, it's, it's a basically a seven day ride. And but yeah, and when when things went bad, yeah, things went bad with the foundation. We had a problem with our executive director, and just things, the floor fell out yeah. from underneath us. My parents stepped in, and my dad really stepped up to the plate, and we. You know, salvage what we could, basically cut out all all events except this, except MS Global, and that's continued since what, like two thousand eight, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. We're twenty years into it doing MS Global, and each year we raise about a quarter quarter million bucks, and that's amazing. Yeah, and, and, yeah. People... and it goes straight straight to um, Can Do MS, which is a helps people with, who have MS live a better life, helps them and their support partners, their support families. Okay. Live a better life with MS. So it's not about the future, it's about right now. Mm -hmm. About better life right now. Yeah. As a professional athlete, your life gets played out in public, or a version of your life gets sure. played out in <laughs> yeah. public, right? Yeah. yeah. And it is very easy for us to, you know, we see somebody succeed on the basketball court, on the football field, in music, in cycling, whatever. And because we see success in one area, we think, universal success, good at everything, ethical at everything. Like we attribute goodness across a broad range of things. Whereas, you know, your story and the life you've lived is, you know, I can do some really good things here. I've made mistakes here. Huge, um, huge. And, and everything in between. So yeah. so what have kind of you learned about people and your own choices and, and relationships? Uh, I'm sure that's that's a really oh, open-ended question. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, I've what? learned so much. I mean, I feel like I could write another book. Just, yeah. And just about Maybe me. you should. Maybe just about me, not nobody else. But man, yeah, I mean, it's been a wild ride. I almost get, I get a little emotional just thinking about yeah. it. I mean, I remember being in here. When was that? Uh, 2018. Yeah, yeah. Like, things have changed so a lot. I was yeah. guest number two on the new angle. <laughs> but yeah, so much has changed. Yeah, taking a couple steps back, looking at the big picture. And, man, I made a, a ton of mistakes, a mm -hmm. ton of mistakes, that, and I've learned, I've learned from all of them or most of them, and you know, and will continue to learn for the rest of my life. But yeah, being transparent, open, and honest, you know, like my parents always taught me, you know, I deviated away from that, and you know, paid a major price for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just being yourself. Like sometimes you. You know, at the time, the first time I ever doped, it was just to please that doctor. The team doctor walked into my room and, you know, he's a well-respected team doctor. He had been on big teams in the past, worked with big champions in the past. And then he, you know, offered me this little red testosterone pill. He, he said it was, you know, for my health. I needed it at the time. And we just finished a, a brutal stage race in southern Spain and I was just exhausted. And he said, this is, you know, this is for your health. Huh. I'll never forget that, and I knew it was wrong, but I, but I also knew there were some deviant things happening. And at the time, I just tried. I was like, okay, I'll, you know, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And I didn't really think about it. And I, but I knew deep down it was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, within it. that, though, it. there's so it. many. I spent a lot of nights, you know, middle of the night committee meetings, looking at the ceiling, you know. But you know, I just, I just kind of bought into it. You know, it happens a lot when you know you get influenced by older people and. My, it's my own fault. I, I knew it was wrong from the minute I swallowed it, yeah. even before I swallowed it. There's a lot in that story, though. Yeah. You've got a physician. You're in that person's care. Mm -hmm. You're aspiring as an athlete. You're striving. And, you know, I've heard you talk about how the paper bag was this thing that, like, went to the good guys. Yeah. Right? And so there's probably yeah. that, like, hey, if I – this is – what I have to do to take this next step as a professional. 
Yeah. There's all kinds of weird power dynamics and manipulation at play there. So, yeah. I, you know, I appreciate you saying, uh, like, I made this choice myself and I knew it was uh, wrong. Oh, yeah. But you can see how it happens to a lot of people who've yeah. you know, thought of themselves as, as not the sort of person that would do that, right? Sure, sure. You know, a year later, that same individual told me, like, he'd been around the block many times, and he was like, someday you can win the Tour de France. I mean, I never truly believed him. Maybe a few years later, I believed him, but... You know, that kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, like, if I'm going to even attempt something like this, i got to keep on this track, you know? Yeah, that's more pressure. <laughs> more, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You, you start to see, like, wow, these people think I can do this. Oh, Maybe yeah. this thing I couldn't do myself. But then, like, is there, yeah. like, what's implicit in this contract here? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes when I look back, I wish I could have just been a clean, like, domestique. Just work my tail off for somebody. Do you else. think there's such a thing? I don't know. Um, I mean, today I think there is. You know, back then there weren't many of them. Yeah, there weren't many of them. Yeah, yeah. It'd be hard to stay in the game with it, that mindset. I mean, I might have been if I, but if I solely focused on like somebody else's result and just helping them, maybe, maybe I would have stayed clean. Stay clean because you know I spent two and a half years of my professional career at the beginning of my professional career clean, and then why not continue? Yeah, the carrot keeps getting dangled in front of you, and you know. It's, young or young enough to just make poor choices. And so once you kind of came out the other side of, you know, the, the, the truth-telling phase, the, the book, the legal cases, all of that, like how, how did you, and maybe you're not, maybe you're not there yet, but where, yeah. how did you get to a place where you were like, okay, this is how I want to orient my life. These are the goals. These are the, and what are those things? Yeah. What, what do you yeah. want to live for now? I mean, I've been here in Missoula 10 years, a little over 10 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, the uh, first six months I was finishing that book that I wrote, The Secret mm-hmm. Race. And then, and then after, after the book came out, it was a bit, it was kind of chaos. Just yeah, media tour, media 60 tour minutes, kind of stuff, all just, that. Yeah. And, getting, and then, uh, like, then I kind of did some public speaking for a while. And then I was like, I landed from a trip from New Zealand to speak over there, and then I landed, and I was like, I got right as the wheels touched the ground, I said, I'm going to get a real job. Like, I'm done with, like, I felt like I was going to confession doing these speeches, like, over and over and over again. I was like, enough already. I got my real estate license, and I, I practiced at real estate at Inc. Uh, Realty Group, mm-hmm. and that was great. That was a great experience, but it just wasn't me. But I would say it was like, it'd be the last two, three years where I've been kind of feeling like myself again. Even when I was in here, whatever, 2018, you know, if you ask, have you fully forgiven yourself? I'd say maybe not. I don't mm. know. I was pretty hard on myself. Yeah. And I think it was maybe from just doing all these talks, I just kept myself in that headspace a little bit. Yeah. And I'll still do a talk every once in a while, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I've fully forgiven myself. I've had to. I've had to. I've forgiven, every, I've forgiven everyone else. Like, What does that mean, you forgiving forgi- yourself? Like, what is that? And how did you kind of arrive at I that? I don't know. You know, after I've, I do, a lot, you know, after doing a lot of reading and stuff like that, I, I just, I figured I just needed to fully forgive myself. And maybe I hadn't. Maybe I really hadn't. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that definitely changed some things. I mean, so many people forgave me. Yeah. And maybe they should, you know, maybe they shouldn't have, or, or they had every right not to. You know, I'm not saying everybody forgive me. I just feel very lucky and blessed to be where I am today, and thankful to all all the people who supported me and just were there for me. It, just, yeah. it was hard. It was brutal, brutal. We'll be back to our conversation with Tyler Hamilton after this short break. A new angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. 
This is Anne Helen Peterson, and I am a senior culture writer at BuzzFeed News, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Tyler Hamilton about life after professional cycling. I've heard that meditation has taken a role in your life, and you jumped in head first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ten-day silent retreat, is that I, right? I dove in. Yeah, I was a buddy here in Missoula, for one of my first friends here in Missoula. He said, hey, I've been trying to get off and, and do this... Um, thing called Vipassana, type of meditation, mm-hmm. Vipassana for about 10 years, and finally I'm leaving tomorrow. And I was like, no way, like, what is this? And uh, he got back from India, and he told me all about it, and his wife his wife at the time went off and did it. She came back and said the same thing, I'm like, I'm in, I'm doing it. He's just going. So yeah, I went. And you'd done no meditation before? Not, none, of my, none of my life. I mean, I think I camp as a kid for like five minutes, then I fell asleep. Sure. <laughs> just sitting in that position... You know, sitting on the sitting on the floor with your yeah. feet crossed that that in itself is pretty hard. Yeah, especially as a ex cyclist, you know, because you're kind of hunched over. Yeah, your bit. flexibility. But your yeah, guts. it's like ten day silent meditation retreat. It was insanely cool. It was I did mine in on Alaska, Washington, kind of just over the pass from Yakima. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it really opened my eyes to like just slowing everything down, really taking a deep breath. Under, like underneath all the chaos was this beautiful like river flowing, and I like I found it. Huh? And it, like within me, I don't know. It's kind of it sounds kind of corny, but no, for sure. But I felt it, man. I felt it. If, if somebody told me after, like, oh, we put something in your food to make you feel that way, I would have believed you. And it was just sitting, kind of letting all. It would be like a. I came in, t- you know, went into that ten uh, day vipassana course with like a mind like a muddy river, muddy, muddy, muddy. And by the Lost end, in thought, as they say. Yeah, you know. and just chaos, you know, this and that. And probably, you know, over, I'm a bit of an introvert, and maybe I was overthinking things. But but yeah, it was muddy. My head was muddy. And I left, and it was like, a, or by the end, it was like a clear stream. Hmm. Beautiful. And so how does that manifest in, in day-to-day life now? It, it opened my eyes to meditation first. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to slow down, and you got to just take some deep breaths and and, uh, and center yourself. Right. You know, some people sit on a cushion and actually meditate. Other people, you know, go for a run or a bike ride or whatever. But you need to start taking care of, of yourself and, and, you know, and slowing it all down. We have such a system of kind of yielding power or over our thoughts and emotions to others. Like we have language systems built around it. Like I hear my daughter saying to my other daughter, like, Charlotte, you're making me crazy today it's like no she's not making you crazy you're choosing to respond to her and by saying that that language gives her the feeling of power that hey her actions can influence the emotions of others and it's just yeah we have a system built around some of these faulty assumptions that it's really we're the only ones in charge of what goes on in our heads and to the extent that that's possible we got to do our best yeah we have ourselves like we can only rely on ourselves we have ourselves to blame right so at the end of the day, you only have you, right? And you got to take care of you. I'm 51 years old. I figured out what works and what doesn't, you know. And you, and you, you figure out you, you work with the things that work. Right? Here we are. Yeah. And you yeah. just you, you know, if you're young, yeah, you're still learning to figure out what works and what doesn't. But yeah, so meditation's been great. You know, yoga. I do. I try to do some yoga mm-hmm. every day, just at home. And yeah, that was like I took some time away from doing all activity sports when i first moved here to missoula but yoga was the first thing i started doing yeah and i've really loved it i loved it yeah it kind of fuses that athletic mindset with the the meditative 
uh, yeah. aspects as well. It slows you right down. So let's talk a little bit about Adventure Audio. You still got the podcast going along and tell us about Pete, your partner in that enterprise. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Adventure Audio, I think we want to say we started a couple of years ago. Yeah. It seems like about two years. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's a passion project. Mm-hmm. And you interview people kind of across the full spectrum. It's not just athletes. It's it's a bunch of different yeah, folks. Yeah, a bunch of different folks. Uh, and it's certainly got a bit of a cycling tilt to sure. it. Sure. Yes. I love talking to people. Every time, every you know, I think we've done over 100 podcasts and every one I've learned something from, for sure. Yeah. You know, what are kind of some highlights of what you learned? Just, I remember when we first started, I was like having a hard time motivating and all that. And it's like... Motivating to like get out and exercise maybe oh, a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I just remember, I think I started running because of one of our first, uh, who's the guy that wrote that book, uh, Born to Run? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. McDougal. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he got me into running basically. But the podcast has been great. Just chatting with people mm-hmm. from different different ages and abilities and all walks of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it I think it makes me a better person and it's. I think I've gotten to be a better inner interviewer yeah you know, that takes absolutely practice. I, i'm no, certainly not guys. very good but i getting I'm maybe getting better like especially with you know two co-hosts mm-hmm. it's been fun it's been fun yeah yeah and you're generally a curious person you're thoughtful and curious and that comes across in, oh. in your interviewing you know you, you want to learn from people's stories and sure. giving them an, an, an opportunity to tell their stories is really generous so let's in our remaining time if if you're willing yeah i i guess i'd love to kind of learn about your kind of connection to sport how closely you pay attention when young guys who are looking to break their way into pro cycling ask for coaching or advice like on what terms do you keep with cycling right now let's see i mean i follow cycling now or i love cycling more than i think i ever have okay now even more than when you were a racer i mean maybe it's just a little bit, say, different now. Yeah. But now, I, you know, I took some time away from the sport. Yeah. You know, I think when I first moved here to Missoula, just not really following it from 30,000 feet and never really watching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just took that time away. And, and then I came back to it. You know, watching last summer's like Tour de France, I'm like, this is amazing. It's just really fun to watch. And when you understand the ins and outs of the sport, it's like and there's so many different camera angles and so many different commentators and you can – you know, listen to a podcast after or anything. There's just all this information now, and you can really get to know these individuals and yeah, and see how the race uh, shapes out. So, I you know I love it more than ever. I would say, but I you know I do caution. Yeah, young kids, you know, getting into the sport. Yeah, you know, you got to keep your eyes open. And this is what happened to me. Some people think I should discourage people from becoming a pro cyclist, and I'm not going to tell anybody that what they should should or shouldn't do yeah if that's so what they want to do that's what they want yeah. you'll tell them here this is what i faced and oh other yeah folks i knew faced and i'll give them plenty of warning for sure yeah so and how do you deal with that as a coach like i'm sure some of the athletes in your care might be facing hard choices i mean i'm pretty blunt about it and yeah up front mm-hmm. you can have a great career doping and all that and guess what you're gonna have to deal with the repercussions after you that's know whether you get caught or not you know I, sometimes i feel bad about for the ones that haven't told the truth and have to sit on it yeah they have to live with that you know and just and lie about it for the rest of their lives that stinks yeah maybe they've built a life around that mythology yeah or what if they're still in the sport you know they can't say maybe they want to tell the truth but they can't Mm -hmm. you know so and you've seen i mean guys that you've been friends with or maybe still are friends with kind of live that 
I don't know what, oh, yeah. what to call it, like a curated version of the truth so they can maintain a form of public. Oh, yeah. I understand, persona. though. I mean, that could have been me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I don't want to speak for them, but I would if for me, I would have been living in my own personal prison. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about some of these guys? That like, I mean, because Lance Armstrong, like he's building a bit of a media empire with all this podcast and, yeah. and it's great race coverage in a way because it's like you don't get yeah. guys that have lived in the sport at that level to give their breakdown. So it's compelling content. He's yeah. a compelling personality. But there's all these other guys that are kind of brought into that fold that want a piece of that media presence and can monetize their brands and all of that. I mean, do you have a view on that? I don't have a problem with Lance doing any of that. Like, yeah. I think, it, you know, all all my old teammates, where, wherever they stand with the doping or not doping or whatever, like, I hope the best for all of them, mm-hmm. you know, including Lance. And uh, there's no more. I used to have, like, negative feelings towards him. And there was one time I hated him. Yeah. Which is a strong word for me. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm rooting for everyone. Because I, I do know, like, you know, retiring from the sport's hard. Like, it, you know. Whatever your terms with the sport, retiring is hard. It's hard, yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I'm sure retiring is hard everywhere, but mm-hmm. like, I'd say retiring a sport's hard because like you have this identity, and like, what's next? What's next? Do you do you stay in the sport? You know, had had I not doped and not gone through any of this, I I think I would have probably stayed in the sport full time. Yeah, but you know, now the way it ended for me, it wasn't possible for sure, and my name was pretty black and whatever. I've kind of moved on and. Made my amends and wrote a book and told the whole truth and and then some and then yeah I, you know I'm in the sport a little bit today you know the 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 firm I work for the Black Swift Group yeah we work with probably like 35 different uh, like world tour cyclists okay yeah so we manage their money and then we also started a fund the Pro Cyclist Fund hmm. and they give the management fees back to the Pro Cyclist Foundation which helps which helps cyclists in need on the legal wellness okay. and career development side. So, yeah. so we started that fund in t- June of 2020 and in 2021, it won the best new fund award at industry publication awards in New York city. And it's been fun. We gave away like 350 grand last year and we're hoping to give away a million bucks this year. So I am still involved in cycling a little bit, but I'm, you know, I'm not like a director over in Europe or anything like that and probably never will be. Yeah, I mean, the shelf life of the average professional cyclist is pretty short. And that's, for many of them, the peak of the earnings power. And, you know, just knowing time value of money. If like if you can bank some away during those years, you're going to set yourself up well for the future. So to work with young folks in the sport that, you know, have this limited window of opportunity, how to set themselves up for financial stability in the long run, that has to be pretty fulfilling. It is fulfilling, very fulfilling, and especially hearing back from these cyclists. They're out busting their butts every day and, you know, stressed out. You, tip, you know, the money's in professional cycling is not great. Yeah, unless you're and, at the tip of the spear. Unless you're at the very tip top, f- top whatever, 3%. So there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of financial stress. So helping them feel more secure is uh, really invaluable. Yeah. Well, I think we're close to the end of the line, the finish line with Hudson here. You've been a great sport. Win it um, solo. There's no sprint here. He's won it solo. <laughs> Tyler, it's been a great. It's been great to see you around town, to reconnect. I, I appreciate your support of this project, your support of this community, and um, just your your mindset is inspiring. I learned from it. Oh, thank you, Justin. I really appreciate you having me on again and being patient with this little guy. Oh, of course, we like yeah. to give listeners a picture of the full family experience. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, really enjoy your podcast. Keep up the good work there. Yeah, we'll try. Thanks, yeah. man. Thank Happy you. trails. 
Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. Social media by AJ Williams. And Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.